0: You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert.
1: Do you feel it in your bones? Can you (sighs) smell it in the air? An overtime thriller in the rearview mirror. A sellout against Akron on the horizon, potentially in a matchup with Florida down the road. Knoxville is rocking. All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joined to my left, as always, by my good friend Ryan Shumpert. Today is Wednesday. September the 14th it is a gorgeous day outside I know I say that every time it's kind of just a habit at this point but today I mean it it's a beautiful day out here in Knoxville things are a lot of fun right now Ryan good afternoon my friend how are you what's going on
2: not much doing well doing well and like you said it's been I think this weekend I might be getting back to some warm weather but the past week or so it's been some fantastic weather so enjoying that and uh enjoying uh, football season, which uh, is yeah. back in full swing, and it always means it's the best time of year.
1: Man, it, it really has been, too, and there's not been a lot of disappointment throughout the first couple of weeks of the, uh, of the college football season, and foul now coming into its own on top of that, so you're right, it, it's just a really fun time in the sports world right now.
2: Yeah, it is. It's Not you know, it's been a great start to the college football season with some upsets, some really good games, but... I think both of us, uh, not in a very good spot. Uh, really all three of us, not in a, Bob included, not in a very good spot with the NFL season week one. <laughs> yeah. At least Bob's Colts had a, had a two-touchdown comeback to get a tie uh, against the Texans. But uh, my Titans, a big choke job against a uh-huh. bad Giants team. And then uh, at least the Cowboys were playing a good team, but uh, not a very good showing. And obviously Dak get hurt for uh, Rick's Cowboys. So I think we're all happy to, to keep the focus uh, on college.
0: What did I say about Rodrigo Blankenship? Yeah, you were all over Oh, you were! <clears throat> Gone right. He yeah, gone. Should be. He should be okay. You am shutting up. That's all. I had him on a fantasy squad.
1: Like I, I even, I even knew that advice that he gotten from Bob, and I still even drafted him in fantasy, didn't he? All of a sudden, ah, I'm out of kicker, so <laughs> I had to think about that one too. But you're right, I, and I can't remember who said it, but somebody in the, somebody from the RTI team, they had a great line, and they just said, you know, right after that Sunday Night Football matchup, they said the Cowboys looked around the league and they said, hey Titans, hey backers. Hey, anybody else who might have choked on Sunday, hold my beer. <laughs> and they went out and did that. So certainly a, a chaotic week to uh weekend of college football. But that was wrapping up the week. And then you go back to Saturday. Hey, Tennessee had enough chaos for themselves uh, to last the weekend up in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Ryan, you and I got to go down there. And, and boy, did we have a blast over in Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, you know, both of our first times in Pittsburgh. And then, you know, that's kind of what, in a lot of ways... You won out of a non-conference matchup in a home-and-home. I mean, it was a little bit different because Pittsburgh, you certainly don't think about the Pitt Panthers. That's not the first team that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you typically want to see some classic venues, like uh, maybe a Texas, Notre Dame. But at the same time, it was cool to see Pittsburgh. We got to go to the Pirates game uh, on Friday yeah. night, with the which the Vol fans took over and had a, had a fun time in the Steel City and then watching a, a game at Acrisure Stadium or Heinz Field, as it's been known The for, artist formally yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, you Known for most of our lives was pretty cool. A lot of uh, big time NFL games uh, we've watched on that field over the years. It was cool to watch a Tennessee play there and then be down doing a stand up on the field after the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There were a lot of great things about the city of Pittsburgh, and certainly one that I'd like to go back to. But you're you're right. You know that that is really what you want out of these non-conference games. I think you look at the Johnny Ma- uh, the Johnny Majors Classic as a whole, a great success. I, I mean, you know, not just from a Tennessee perspective, but you think about both games, you had the the away team win both ones, you had both teams travel pretty well, you got cool new experiences out of both, and uh, if I remember correctly, that was Tennessee's first game in Pittsburgh uh, against the Panthers, so a lot of cool things to get to there, but you, you kind of, you know, you even glanced over one of my favorite parts of the trip, and, and that was on the way up to Pittsburgh, you and I got to stop in Morgantown yeah. uh, and, and see the West Virginia campus, see the West Virginia football stadium, see the... the Coliseum, that is the basketball arena, which was jaw dropping. Oh, one of the cooler sights that I've seen.
2: Yeah, it was uh, the the basketball arena. It kind of, it's got the big dome, which you know, if you've watched a lot of games there, you, you notice and uh, you can see it from the interstate. And uh, you know, you can't. It's kind of like different than Knoxville, but yeah. like Knoxville, that it's mountainous, kind of around it. And you know, you don't see a whole lot of anything uh, when you're driving through Morgantown. But you know, one thing you could see uh, was the basketball arena. So that was a cool trip. It was cool to get to get in both of those places and, and look around. and uh, uh, Obviously, I th- Pitt, Pittsburgh was cool as well. The game delivered, and I think to your point a second ago, not only the first time that Pitt or Tennessee had played at Pitt, it was the first time an SEC team had played at Pittsburgh. so Really? yeah Didn't even know uh, that. A completely different experience. And you're right, two Johnny Majors Classic, two really good games, uh, two competitive games, and again, a lot of Pitt fans came out of Knoxville. A lot of Vol fans went up the Pittsburgh uh, made for, you know, what you want and I think a uh, home and home schedule.
1: You know, I was thinking about this and not to not to take too long on it because by the way, we got a loaded show coming up for you. We are going to get in some of our wrap up kind of final thoughts a few days later thoughts about the Tennessee Pittsburgh game, kind of get you going for this week's game against Akron, which is some notes that have been going around uh, Tennessee this week and then of course something that we have not done yet but we've talked about doing we definitely want to take a look around the SEC uh, coming up a little bit later on today but certainly a, a lot of things to get into. Uh, but one of the first things we'll, we'll jump in with are excuse me is a little bit of breaking news that's come down here on Wednesday afternoon just around two o'clock p.m. Ryan, can you go ahead and tell me about kind of what's going on with the Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, just some of these teams and what the news currently is.
2: Yeah, so the SEC announces adjustments to Georgia and Tennessee football schedules. Uh, both those teams had home-and-home home scheduled with Oklahoma. Uh, I think Georgia was going to face off in the first game of the home-and-home home in 2023 against the Sooners. And in Tennessee, really the first game was supposed to be in 2020 in Norman. COVID canceled that. They were planning on scheduling a, a, a rescheduling that matchup in Norman. It hadn't to this point. But they do play in Knoxville in 2024. Well, they were going to play in Knoxville yep. in 2024. 2024. No longer. Uh, the SEC came in and said for, basically, told those teams, all three of those teams, don't play those games. Uh, since, And you know, the logic was, in theory, uh, since, you know, while Oklahoma's not scheduled to be in the SEC in 2023 and 2024, the return matchups would happen uh, while those uh, Oklahoma would be in the SEC and it would be a conference game. So those games wouldn't be able to happen. And, and SEC says, just scrap it. That's the very baseline. Uh, I think when you dive into it a little more, it probably means uh, it's not just a foregone conclusion that it's going to be 2025 by the time Oklahoma and Texas join the league. I think there's a really good chance that uh, both those schools join the SEC by 2024. I would be surprised if it happens by next year in 2023, but uh, I certainly don't think uh, it would be a surprise at this point if it is announced it'll join a year early in 2024. That's when USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten, um, and it certainly... Isn't a huge surprise. I think that's kind of something a lot of us have had our eye on. Is that matchups yeah. ever since it was announced, you know, two summers ago, that Oklahoma and Texas would be joining the league. But certainly uh, something to watch, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who Tennessee schedules. Shout out to, to Sam Smith on Twitter. He did a quick little research. Power five teams who do not have a non conference power five opponent scheduled in 2024: North Carolina State, Duke, Rutgers, and Northwestern. So we'll see what ends up happening there as uh, Tennessee looks to have a, a non-conference opponent to replace Oklahoma in the 2024 schedule.
1: Yeah, you're right. The the timeline for those two teams entering the SEC kind of has been looking around that 2025 date, but we know that with the money and, and really the prominence that both those programs have, if they want to get it done a little bit earlier, they're probably going to get those wheels turning a little bit earlier. I mean, I even go back – I know we're talking about Oklahoma here, but I even go back to just last weekend's game, Texas and Alabama, right? I, to me – that is the type of game that Texas now saw three days ago or so just right in their backyard, and that's the kind of game they're saying, hey, this is what we want to, you know, this is the kind of environment that we want for a season. We want to get in the SEC uh, as quickly as possible so that we can start having these matchups uh, on a much more regular basis. Uh, Tennessee Vice Chancellor and Director of Athletics Danny White did put out a statement uh, earlier today, and this is what he said, quote, while we are disappointed that we won't be hosting Oklahoma in 2024, we are extremely excited uh, about the marquee games that Oklahoma and Texas will bring to Neyland Stadium in the future as fellow members of the Southeastern Conference. In the meantime, we are actively exploring, uh, exploring the best possible replacement opponents for 2024. And, and Ryan, obviously, my, my my initial reaction to this news was a little bit of disappointment because I remember how great yeah. that, that game was, the Tennessee-Oklahoma game and just the the series that's coming up. But then immediately you realize and you're like, okay, wait, that's just going to get scheduled a, a you know a little bit later on down the road. These teams are obviously entering the same conference, so we'll see we'll see how Tennessee uh, jumps on this and you know maybe who they who they put in that spot. But certainly interesting news coming down on Tuesday or excuse me Wednesday afternoon.
2: Yeah, it is, and I think you're right. I think when you know they announced Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, that was kind of. It was, you know, it was probably disappointing. You know, obviously, I think people have mixed emotions on it. Disappointing to see college football, you know, kind of go in this trend of kind of losing its region regionality of the conferences. And then another disappointing, you know, related to Tennessee was like, yeah, those Oklahoma games are about the best non-conference games Tennessee has scheduled. So disappointing. But again, those teams uh, will see each other at some point once uh, Oklahoma is officially in the SEC. Probably, you know, sooner rather than later. That's one of the good things. I don't think it's going to be. Like right now, when you go six years without playing these teams in the SEC West, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the situation with the expanded SEC.
1: Is there one of the two that you're more excited to see on a regular basis for any reason? No, not, not really. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I like the, I like obviously what the what the marquee brings to the table when it's Texas versus Tennessee and just the the embedded history that that one has. But like you were just saying, Oklahoma and Tennessee have had some. You know, I have had a lot of moments. Uh, I should say in the last 10 years or so. I mean, going back to what was that first game in uh Norman in 2014? Yeah. Very fun. I was uh I was there for that game. Yeah. Fun fact. Nice. Speaking of Oklahoma, that is a team that is in the AP top 25. Tennessee was also a team that was in the AP top 25 before taking on Pittsburgh. They were ranked right there at number 24. After defeating number 17 uh Pitt, Tennessee has jumped all the way up 9 spots. To number 15 in the rankings, they currently sit as the fifth-highest SEC team behind Georgia at 1, Alabama at 2, Kentucky at 9, Arkansas at 10, and you got Tennessee right there at 15. Who did they jump? They jumped Florida, who's now at 18. They jumped Ole Miss, who's now at 20, and they certainly jumped Texas A&M, who absolutely plummeted 18 spots to number 24 in the country after they lost to uh, uh, Appy State. What a— to go back to your point about what a wild weekend in college football, that, that game certainly was as well. But did you expect this this high of a jump for, for Tennessee? I know you and I kinda of talked about it after the game. I, I won't share those thoughts, but did you expect all the way up to fifteen?
2: No, I didn't just because I did not you know, Tennessee didn't play great in the game <laughs> that they won uh, against uh pit back, back quarterback for the second half. And that's not to take anything away from Tennessee, but it's not a win that you typically think, wow, Tennessee's gonna that's a nine nine yeah, big they're, that's they're a movers. big jumper. But it goes back to, to what I think we've said on here a couple of times. After the first four, five, six teams, like 7 to 30, I'm not sure there's more than a touchdown gap in, in those teams. <laughs> yeah. So when the, uh, the margin between teams is so thin and you do get a big win and there are a couple of teams that get upset, and then of course it's early in the year, so a couple of teams don't play uh, big-name opponents, it, it makes sense how Tennessee jumped that high. So uh, I was a little surprised I wasn't expecting it. But I guess when you look at it, the complete picture, it wasn't a shocker either.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, and again, number 17, Pittsburgh. After the loss, they dropped down to number 23. So still in the top 25. Uh, as Tennessee fans, probably should kind of keep an eye on Pittsburgh to see what they do the rest of the year. Obviously, when you get one of these big wins at the beginning of the year, you want to see how that team continues to play throughout, so you can start to see, you know, how, how that, how important, how valuable, how big that win turns to be. Uh, by the end of the year, you, you want to, uh, Pittsburgh to not <laughs> necessarily fall off the bandwagon or anything um, like that. But going back to that game, Ryan, just any kind of final thoughts on on that game, that, that top 25 matchup on the road? Uh, ha- is there anything that you maybe feel different about in comparison to your initial reaction? I mean, right after the game, right when we were there, we were doing all the stand-ups, we were doing the podcast. Do is there anything that you feel different about, for better or worse, here about three-ish days
2: later? Uh, I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to go follow on your point on about Pitt the okay, rest of okay. the season first. Yeah,
1: Very weak schedule. Very. Very weak schedule. I don't think they play another ranked team until the
2: last of the season. I don't think – is Miami in the AP poll this week? Uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. They They're are at 13. 13. Yeah. So they get Miami uh, and Coral Gables to end the regular season. Besides that game, they go to North Carolina. They go to Louisville. They get Virginia Tech, who hasn't been very good in uh, – Prize first season at home. Those are the hardest games on the rest of the pit schedule. I mean, this is a team that I think worst-case scenario, assuming the fact Keaton Slovis is a concussion, he's not, a, you know, assuming he doesn't miss an surprising amount of time for a head injury, I think this is a pit team that's going to go 9-3 and at the worst-case scenario and have a great chance to be back in the ACC championship game. But going back to, to the Tennessee game, you know, I don't think there were anything hugely different that I felt uh, about the game after watching it. I think Gerald Mincy, you know, probably played better than i expected uh once i went and saw the grades and especially in pass protection he gr- graded out as Tennessee's best uh pass blocking offensive lineman. he was the worst run blocking offensive lineman, so his overall grade wasn't phenomenal you know i think that's probably going to be you know his job i think given the fact that that was his first start in college against a quality opponent and it was a tough one for you know a left tackle against a, a really aggressive pit defense i think he he performed well and then you know i think two other things and i'm not sure i didn't Feel this way after the game, but yeah, maybe just an increased sentiment of it, and, yeah. and that's first. at just you know Tennessee. I'm just, the more I looked at it, this is a Tennessee team I wasn't sure could win a game like that, where their offense just didn't outscore somebody in, in a close game, and, and for the defense to make the winning plays, even if, if it was against Nick Patty, the backup quarterback. Even with just with that fact, and this is not that Nick Patty's great, but he played in the Peach Bowl last year. It wasn't his first start. Sure. It wasn't his his only big game he's ever played in. I'm not sure I would have even said going into the game. Even if Pitt doesn't have Keaton Slovis, Tennessee's offense isn't doesn't isn't good enough to get the job done. That Tennessee's defense can make those winning plays, and they did. So credit to them. And then lastly, I think we talked about it maybe briefly after the game, but after watching uh, the rewatch, having a few more days to kind of compress, it, Tennessee just needs to throw the ball to Bruce McCoy more. And I'm sure yes. that that yep. will probably happen. Absolutely. Uh, when there's a little bit more comfortability between Hooker and McCoy, but. He was really good every time he got the ball, and I think he's a just a physical, talented receiver that pre- presents a lot of uh, matchup problems for defenses, and I think as the season goes on, you'll see him become a, a bigger part of this offense.
1: Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that point right there, I mean, we, we know what Cedric Tillman is going to bring to the table, and, and he had that great quote after the game. He said, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time moments, uh, and of course, you know, he, he a little bit tongue-in-cheek with that, he, you know, he, he was just kind of messing around, but That's the type of confidence, that's the type of swagger that this Tennessee team has, and I think when you add in Brew McCoy to that, it's only going to strengthen that room. We have already seen him be very productive and, and execute his job and what he's needed to do, whether it's been in the catching game or in the blocking game, in the run blocking, uh, you start to see him really take early strides with this offense. I, I think, obviously, having him and Tillman on the outside, just big-bodied, six foot three, two hundred and twenty-plus receivers, and then Jalen Hyatt, who, who certainly had uh, two good games here in the uh, early in the season, has a little bit more of that finesse and has a little bit more of that speed uh, there in the slot. And you saw them use him in the underneath game a little bit more uh, against Pittsburgh. So a lot of versatility there. But I guess to that point. We know that Tennessee's offense is, is going to figure things out at some point. We, we know they did last year. This is just a, an offense with talented pieces and a very talented coaching staff getting them to where they need to go. We know that Tennessee is going to have a couple of beat-down victories a la a South Carolina or a Missouri last year. We also have plenty of reason to believe that Tennessee is going to be able to win close games with their offense. But I think just as a final reiterating point going back to the Pittsburgh game the fact that Tennessee's offense or excuse me the fact that Tennessee was just able to win that win that game with their defense I think is huge for the early season confidence. I think that does a lot. Last year, you did have a moment like that, but it was towards the end of the season. It was at Kentucky. Now, you've had two of those moments in the last seven games for Tennessee, dating back to that Kentucky game to now, where Tennessee's defense has really had to put their foot in the ground, stand strong, and eventually get the win for Tennessee. I think, to me, that's why you do see Tennessee rise up to 15 in the rankings. To me, that's why you see Tennessee jump into the – and granted – these odds don't matter. But that's why you see Tennessee jump into at least the top ten of odds. And, again, I want to reiterate, early season odds don't matter for for national title stuff. But I think that people are understanding that, hey, we already knew that Tennessee had a good offense, even with a little bit of slip-ups here and there. Now they're showing that, hey, they at least have the ability to do that on defense. While they're not always going to do it, and it's not always going to be perfect, they've showed two times in the last seven games that their defense does have it in them to be able to put their foot in the ground, plant it, and stay strong To me, that's still just kind of one of the big takeaways, I I think, after that game here a couple days later. I I know there's things to pick apart, and we've done that over the last couple. Right? They've moved on, the team, uh, and we will too. But to me, just that defense, being able to come strong at the end, I think that's really going to give those guys some big-time confidence heading into the next couple weeks.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it was a big confidence boost for a Tennessee defense that really needed it. I uh, I think, you know, they – Kind of had you know their moment in the sun a little bit this week. I mean, we heard can't remember which player wasn't talking this Ooh. week uh, about you know we we play defense too at Tennessee. It's not it's not just the offense. So page yeah, Solomon Page. That's right. Um, so you're right. I think it was. Just huge for that defense's confidence, and probably especially in the front seven. And so those guys had a, a real big day.
1: I like to see that group play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think that's important, and I think that's something they need to play with. Uh, when you look at the when you look at them matching up against other offenses, they're going to be outmatched in talent from time to time. When you play your big games, they got to have that chip on their shoulder. I think to maybe give them a little bit of an edge. We know the mistakes going to happen. I always saw them. What Pittsburgh broke off a, a seventy-plus yard run. But then for the whole rest of the game combined, their rushing yards did not even total that one run. So certainly bend, but certainly if Tennessee can just not break, I think that's just going to continue to build and build confidence.
2: Yeah, and I think they even had like another 25, 30-yard run too. Yeah, And for them (laughs) not to get 75 yards, even considering that, uh, was impressive. And again, it was a lot with Slovis out, so Tennessee was probably king on the run. But uh, that's what I needed to do to win the game. I mean, it was very clear in the second half uh, that Pitt – just wanted to run the ball and stay in front of the sticks and make things as simple for Patty as they could and shorten the game. And Tennessee did not let him make it easy on Patty by getting in the third and favorable. They made it really hard for Pitt to run and got them in a lot of favorable third and long opportunities. Pittsburgh
1: is in the books. Now, Tennessee welcomes in Akron this Saturday night. We will give you a couple little notes, a couple little bits of news, stuff that we've been figuring out at the Tennessee facility this week. We will get you ready for that game, and then we'll expand it out a little bit. We'll start talking about some of these other SEC teams we've been seeing, start talking about some of the other things that are going on in the league that you need to know about or at least have been noteworthy. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. We'll be right back. We'll be right back.
0: And now, back to the show.
1: All right, welcome back into the RTI Press Pass. Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, still hanging out with you, talking about Tennessee's game coming up this Saturday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time against Akron, looking at the Zips. Ryan, the Zips started out the season with a banger of a win in overtime, a seven-point win against St. Francis. However, they did lose 52-0 to to Michigan State coming back the next week. There's not a whole lot to to get into when you talk about Akron, and there's not a whole lot to necessarily compliment, at least on the scale that Tennessee is looking at on Saturday. No,
2: you're right. And it's Joe Moorhead, who will be a familiar name, was at Mississippi State for a couple of years, was up in 2019. Uh, he brought the Bulldogs to Knoxville yep. in an ugly game that Tennessee won, real low scoring. Um, and it's, it's a bad Akron team. I mean, it's really that simple. They went 1-11 last season they won an overtime against Saint Francis who's a division 2 school <laughs> not an FCS school a division 2 school yeah. and so this is like a lower than UT Martin uh, in week 1 and then it took them five quarters to win yeah it took a, it took them over 40 or over 60 minutes as Josh Heupel like to say after <laughs> the big game and then yeah they lost 52 nothing to the Michigan State last week I, I guess the two things that i would bring up uh, about their personnel one uh, DJ Irons, their starting quarterback, got injured in that Michigan State game, and Jeff Undercuffler Jr. That's a football name. Jeff Undercuffler Jr. came in Ooh. to play quarterback. There hasn't been any word on uh, Irons' status coming into this week's game, so it could be an accurate team that's with a backup quarterback as well. And then the other, looking around, you know, looking at their roster, looking at the, the stats, and there was his name that popped out to me. I said, I know his name. Okay. Shocky Jacques Louise. Former Tennessee football commit who went to Pittsburgh, funny enough. Played four years at Pittsburgh Okay, and then transferred uh, to Akron for his final season. He is the Zips' leading receiver through two games. He got 11 catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. But he was a commit, I think, back in the 2018 recruiting class. So Butch Jones, his final class. And then when uh, Jones got fired, he went elsewhere, ended up at okay, Pittsburgh. Okay, interesting. But another, you know, we kind of we had the same thing with Gerard Means or Bub Means last Bub. week. Bub. Uh, who went to, you know, actually enrolled at Tennessee and was there for a year before transferring out and ending up at Pitt. And then we have this week a great name, another great name, Shockey jack Louis louise who has the Tennessee ties now at Akron.
1: Yeah, yeah, as yeah. You, as you say that name more and more, it's it the light bulb is getting brighter and brighter in my head. I, I, I do start to remember that, but I didn't actually realized the connection between even Pittsburgh right there
2: yeah I did. I, I kind of had the same thought when I first looked it up and I was like I kind of felt like he was at Pitt but then I thought I was like I'm probably just getting confused with Gerard Means. it's like I knew there had been a player a receiver that had been connected to Tennessee that had been at Pitt the last couple years so that'll be interesting I mean as you would expect uh, I don't think he played a ton at Pitt but he was he did play some uh last year at Pitt and as bad as the Sacramento team is you know as you would expect to get a player from Pitt it, it does seem like he's the best receiver on this Sips team. Hey. the
1: Tennessee's a 50-point favorite in this game, right? Yeah, half like, a hundred. I think that kind of gives you an idea. Josh Eiffel was asked about his goals for Akron this week, and uh, he, he did say a couple little things. He said, hey, they d- do have a uh, an interesting running offense to where the quarterback can run. Some of that's by, desi- uh, some of that's by design. Some of that's just by scrambling. He, he did you know, use a lot of that answer to kind of just talk about his own team, which, again, I, I think kind of points yeah. you in the direction of where this Akron team is going to go. but. It's been a relatively quiet week uh, at the Tennessee facility. I think, obviously, just getting getting back together, collecting themselves after last week's overtime thriller, getting ready for this game, doing everything that they need to do this week so that they can prepare and be ready for next week. I don't think Tennessee is looking ahead to Florida, but obviously, once you know, once this Akron game is over. Now it turns into arguably Tennessee's biggest week of the season.
2: Yeah, I think in some ways it's just a glorified bye week. I think this week's about Tennessee cleaning up the myriad of mistakes <laughs> they made in that Pittsburgh game and addressing those and getting better. And, you know, uh, it makes sense. And I don't, I'm sure they're doing preparation or watching film. They're getting ready for Akron. But I think when you look at what Tennessee can accomplish, it's all about tennessee and getting better themselves and very little about what akron presents on the other side
1: yeah absolutely ryan we are about to wrap this thing up and close this thing down but i just really want to take one quick second just to look at the sec east real quick you know we'll we'll continue talking about the sec as we go on throughout the season but already some interesting notes and, and bits of news from the eastern uh eastern division of the conference number one florida Uh, I think that is one of the interesting storylines going on right now. Obviously, it started out with that big win against Utah, but then they come back home and they lose to Kentucky, who's now sitting at the top of the division. Obviously, they have uh, the only conference win. Uh, South Carolina had an opportunity to as well. But then you go down to that South Carolina as well. They didn't look very good uh, against Arkansas. That was a team that I don't know what people's expectations were. Mine weren't necessarily great, but they were higher than, than South Carolina has been performing so far through two weeks of the season. So, to me, those are kind of the four interesting teams that you keep track of: Kentucky, Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Excuse me, and Florida, uh, and, and South Carolina, right there as well. But certainly, interesting things going on right now in the East.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think South Carolina has looked kind of what I like what I expected. I mean, I think there was
1: you pronounced them dead in the water I did. Uh, last weekend. Do you stand I by? The, it? I
2: had the hype train. Yeah, I mean, okay, the hype, the hype, hype train, train, and that's my point. I, I think they got a lot of love that they didn't deserve in the preseason because of Spencer Rattler and people thinking he was. Uh, gonna play like his former five-star uh, ranking, and he didn't really do that at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. Uh, bunch of playmakers in a Big 12, you know, Big 12 defenses. So I don't know why the expectation was for him to do that with Scott Satterfield as his offense coordinator at South Carolina. Worse playmakers against better opponents, but at the same time, you know, when you look at the way ahead to the Tennessee South Carolina game. It's a game at South Carolina. I do think South Carolina is better. I think Spencer Rattler is certainly an upgrade at quarterback over what they've had the past few years. And that's what I expect. I expect the South Carolina to be better, a game a team that could challenge Tennessee, but a team that wasn't going to challenge for second place in the SEC East like a lot of people said. And hitting on that, you know, Kentucky florida game. Eh, Kentucky, I think, uh, exposed a lot of Anthony Richardson's flaws. I think it'll be yeah. you'll see a lot of teams try to spy him like they did. Kentucky's got really good linebackers. That'll be a big challenge for you know, if Tennessee decides to go the same path for Tennessee's linebackers. So that was interesting. And then uh, the stat, you know, I think was kind of going wild. Mark Stoops became Kentucky's winningest all-time head coach in that game, passing Bear Bryant. And uh, my dad didn't tell me to say it on the podcast, but he was point. He wanted me to do the math and figure it out. Okay. Uh, Mark Stoops, sixty-one and fifty-three. So it took whatever the math would be, 114, I think that would be the math, 114 games for him to pass Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant in his time at Kentucky was 60-23-5. So for Scott Schumpert, Mark Stoops has not done nearly what Bear Bryant did at (laughs) Kentucky, but uh, certainly uh, I think probably when you look at the SEC, maybe that Texas A&M game, maybe even Alabama-Texas game, would have been the biggest takeaways. But Kentucky winning in Gainesville uh, certainly was – a little bit of a surprise and a little bit of a humbling experience. That's why I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, Florida heard all week how great they were after beating Utah, and Kentucky's a very capable football team. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see. I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, I expected the game to be really close. I was a little bit surprised to see Kentucky win, but nothing massive. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Ryan, let's go ahead and get this thing done uh, Get this thing done and get out of here. I have one quick shout-out before we do. It'll branch into two different directions, but, man, shout-out to the Tennessee fan base I, I, on two different directions. Number one— just in the way that they were able to travel to Pittsburgh. We talked about it at the beginning of the show today, but being able to take over the Pittsburgh Pirates ballpark, being able to have that kind of presence in the Pittsburgh stadium, I I just think that's a great look for for the university, for the Tennessee fans, uh, and for all that involved. But then on the other side, shout out to the people who are watching on their television at home making the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game the second most watched game of the entire weekend in college football. The Panthers and the Vols drew an astounding, 4.5 4.5 million viewers for that game. Uh, it, it was above Kentucky and Florida, who drew 4.3 million as well. So, whether you were on the road traveling, whether you were watching at home from the couch, uh, shout out to you because they both uh, they both had an impact that was felt.
2: Yeah, and I think this is maybe one of my favorite stats from the broadcast details that ended up coming out is that, you know, Stanford USC, Knoxville was the number one market that watched the Stanford USC game. There were more people in Knoxville. Really? They watched Stanford USC than there were in. <laughs> San Francisco or, or Los Angeles, and the game was on, you know, right at, on ABC right after Tennessee. So that probably plays a part. Uh, but I, but I thought that was funny.
0: Yeah, that is pretty
2: good. That is pretty good. Yeah, Bob, you got you got anything?
0: Well, if you're talking about ratings, yeah, I think this is uh, really interesting. Got a headline that College Game Day has its best two weeks rating start in 12 years. Wow! And uh, the reason I think that that's happening, and this is my shout out, is. Pat McAfee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They and and so shout out to ESPN for understanding. We're all watching college game day. We're all feeling fatigue from it coming into this season from last season to be really honest with you as a viewer. And we love Lee Corso, but Lee Corso's kind of getting near the end as far as a broadcaster is concerned. And we again love the guy, but they're they're seeing it. And they realize they need to get another character in there that also resonates with a younger audience. And so now McAfee wasn't on week one, but the fact he's on week two and the fact that they're pointing to their numbers for their two-week performance tells me a lot. It tells us that, you know, really he came in and had an immediate impact, and it really sets them up for the future, which as a college football fan, we should be thrilled with that because I I just think game day just got a whole new – you know, boost of rocket fuel in their yeah. tank. And they really needed it. And um, I just think that part's great. And let's also keep our fingers crossed that maybe they somebody from game Day's listening to that and game day comes to Knoxville for the yeah. Florida-Tennessee game. And
1: hey, how about Pat have? McAfee jumping off the one of the Vol Navy boats into the river? <laughs> I mean, right.
0: that's going to happen, right?
2: Like, there we already go.
1: know that's going to happen, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, no, I, Bob, that's a great point because I feel like it's been five years now where it's like, all right, this has to be Lee courses last year. <laughs> And who you know, what's the answer to replace him? Because he is the number one draw of that show of for is, years. Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's been phenomenal. And the when second. they announced, you know, last week that Pat McAfee was joining, it was like, Yeah, he Pat McAfee if he was like he's the guy, he would be fantastic and it seems like he's kind of the future of that show.
0: And you wouldn't have to look any further than when they did the picks. Yeah. McAfee was right there. Yep. You know, that's not something that happens, you know, usually you have to earn that and I guess they feel like he's earned it by putting him in there already. Yeah, it's a great you know, point. So, anyway, and again, there's no bashing elite Lee Corso. We no. love the guy, and he can stay on as long as he wants, but you can feel it's kind of coming near its to its end. Yeah.
1: You Absolutely. know, I think if we're giving a shout-out to Pat McAfee, we're we're obligated to call it a shout-out.
2: There you go. <laughs> Ryan? All right, yeah, two shout-outs. Um, shout-out, Blade Tidwell, St. Lucia Mets. Uh, playoff start yesterday through four da and two-thirds.
1: That, that Mets? Yes, that,
2: okay. that well— Not the New York version, but yeah, that that farm system, uh, he got a a playoff start and a playoff win throwing four and two-thirds scoreless innings, I think seven or eight uh, strikeouts. So shout out to Blade Tidwell getting off to a nice start to his professional career. And shout out Cam Sutton intercepts uh, one Joe Burrow to open uh, uh, his 2022 season on even a bigger role. It seems like just year after year, Cam Sutton is kind of getting a bigger role in Pittsburgh, and last year he was a solidified starter. Solidified starter this year, played every single defensive snap in that game, and it was cool to see him get an interception to open the season.
1: Hey, you know what? One last one. Shout out to us. If you want to go and follow us on any social media platform, you can go and check us out at Rocky Top Insider. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you want to go ahead and follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow along with me on Twitter, you can do that at @rick_butler. Otherwise, and make sure you're checking out the website each and every day, rockytopinsider.com. That is where we are doing our best to bring you all of the Tennessee news, notes, and coverage that we can. But otherwise, man, that's going to be it for us. We will see you on Saturday as Tennessee hosts uh, Akron, the Zips inside of Neyland Stadium. Bob, thank you for all of your help today. Hey, no matter how you were listening today, thank you for tuning in. Go ahead and tell a friend and share the show as well. We will see you back next week. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. Thank you.